gentlemen boys and girls welcome in to the three technique a college football podcast at the intersection of the x's and o's and the jimmies and the joes i'm trey reeves i'm joined tonight by our long lost friend mr garrett turney garrett we've missed you the last couple of episodes we're working through some technology issues but it sounds like we've got a plan for the future we got some exciting things building uh figuratively and literally over on that side of the metroplex so welcome back my friend how you doing yeah, no, I appreciate it. I'm happy to be back on the podcast. Happy to get back from the shadow realm of the Big Ten West. Yes. Um, that, that's where I really was. Now, and my, my computer was having some issues the last couple times. And so going to eventually now have this computer built uh, and we're going to be able to do a little bit more on the video side of things for this podcast. So I'm pumped to kind of start to bring that as well, kind of out of necessity, but just pumped to kind of get there, too. So, yeah, pumped to be back. Exciting things happening at 3Tech HQ. Be on the lookout for some cool stuff. Garrett's been really heading up that video content, doing a great job and ready to take it to the next level. So excited to see where that goes and how we build that. Mitch, in case you're wondering, is not with us tonight. He is uh, otherwise occupied. I'll just leave it at that. And when he hears this come out with you guys, uh, I'm sure he'll get a chuckle with that. But there we go. Maybe you can DM him on his personal Twitter if he wants to <laughs> give the details of what he's doing tonight. But nothing seedy, nothing um out yeah, of nothing now. illegal let's not nothing try to illegal. mislead yeah, we the should, public we should verify that but <laughs> when dad's away the boys will play and we got a lot of Ooh. exciting games to get into this week it's it's a set your schedule it's a make an appointment with your butt in the couch weekend in college football because there's a ton of ranked matchups there's a ton of exciting storylines to follow we've got a lot of up in the air injury statuses with some very high profile quarterbacks that we'll get into that's definitely going to affect the results of games. It's definitely going to affect the betting lines. So lots to get into. Not a lot of news, but Garrett, I did want to start with this this week. As we're meet, reaching kind of the midway point of the season for most teams, some teams have already hit their halfway point, played six games. Other teams will get there this week if they've already had a bye week. It's time to start really ramping up the talk about the Heisman Trophy. And if you had to pick right now, midseason, who do you think you would go with if you had a Heisman vote? Who would get your top vote? Man, so this is actually kind of an awesome question because of how unexpected this season has been, because of some of the players that we've seen that have popped up kind of out of nowhere, maybe even with some preseason expectation. But, you know, they're still turning around and making a really cool season for themselves. If it was just up to me, my first vote goes to Hendon Hooker. I mean, this yeah. guy is one of the most explosive players this year. And I know he's not the Bama quarterback and he's not the Ohio State quarterback, right? But let's not disrespect our friends on Rocky Top there, okay? And I'm going to talk about this when we get into the game. These guys are putting together a really good season, and I think it could be special. Um, Hendon Hooker right now has a 70% completions. Uh, he's got 1,400 yards, 10.2 per attempt, 10 touchdowns, no interceptions. That's a fantastic stat line. 
for my money, that's about as good as it gets. Those are kind of Joe Burrow levels when he won in uh, 2019. So I don't see why you don't replicate it, especially considering this is going to be the majority of their team's success running through Hinton Hooker. And so, I, you know, for me, that's him. There's a couple other great spots, but, you know, Hinton Hooker, he's, he's my number one for sure. Yeah, I can't argue with that. The dude doesn't throw interceptions. It, he threw only three last year in this Tennessee Nothing offense. but dimes. Yeah, like I was joking on Sunday's episode where all the draft type, all the draft Twitter was really big on Anthony Richardson and Will Levis in the SEC mm-hmm. East. And, you know, those are talented guys, but, Dang, guys, if you guys want to go back and edit your articles from the summer when you're doing those early mock drafts <laughs> and just kind of sneak in and hooker in there, you'll look like a genius because I think an NFL yep. team is – he looks toolsy. He looks like he has all the tools to succeed at the next level as well. Yep. Um, Hinton Hooker would definitely be on my ballot, and we're not going to discredit guys like Bryce Young, like C.J. Stroud. Obviously, those guys will have a lot to say down the stretch this year and with regards to who ultimately wins right. the Heisman Trophy. I'm going to go out west, and I'm going to look at the guy who's almost single-handedly carrying the Pac-12 on his back at this point. And now when I say that, you know, I'm sure other fan bases are going to be like, oh, what about what USC is doing or Oregon's doing? <laughs> what I'm saying is he's providing depth and more exciting teams in the Pac-12, and that's Dorian Thompson-Robinson at UCLA. Absolutely. So if you haven't gotten to watch him play yet, do yourself a favor. Next week when they take on Oregon, make that appointment viewing because – he is just a joy to watch. 74.8% completion so far this year. Already 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns, only two interceptions. And he does it on the ground, too. 42 carries for 231 yards and another four touchdowns. So now, I highlighted it preseason. He's an electric one-two combo with Zach Charbonnet. But that offense has been just absolutely fun to, fun to watch this year and hard for anybody, even the Utah Utes, who we were really excited about their defense coming into this yeah. year. They couldn't stop it either. So. Those are my those are our two top guys right now. Obviously, like I said, CJ Stroud, Caleb Williams, Bryce Young. They're gonna be in that conversation as well. But yeah, look out for those two guys. I think they'll at the very least, if they can keep this up, they'll be in New York. Yeah. And even some guys that are maybe off the radar a little bit, still kind of long shot guys, you know, a guy like a Blake Corum, right? That's yeah. a guy that I think could make a jump, could make a move to kind of put himself into the limelight. Again, the thing that we always talk about with the Heisman is you have to have that Heisman moment, right? And there's still so many moments left down the stretch, right? With these undefeated teams taking on other undefeated teams, you know, big time matchups, and it's time for them to start showing why they deserve the trophy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Blake Corum all the way up to tied for fifth with DTR. In That's the crazy. Heisman odds at plus 1600. So especially good for a running back. Yeah, absolutely. And just think that he kind of came out of nowhere. I don't even know if you could get odds on him before the season. (laughs) So awesome to see. Well, let's get some housekeeping out of the way real quick. If you're still listening this far, thank you so much for joining in on this week seven preview. Um, We do this twice a week, a preview episode on Thursdays and a recap episode of all the action on Mondays. Make sure to subscribe, hit the follow button, whatever it is on your podcast app of choice. And if you like us, leave us a five-star review. We absolutely Really appreciate that. It definitely helps us grow the brand, grow the podcast. Find us on social media as well, at 3TechPod on Instagram and Twitter. And if you go to our social media, you'll see your opportunity to compete with us in the spread option, our weekly pick competition. If you win, we give you a shout-out on the pod. And our winner at the end of the year is going to get a mini helmet of their choice from the college of their choice delivered to their door by us. So exciting times. 
don't miss out. Make sure you're jumping on the bandwagon as the season continues to heat up and get down the stretch. And Garrett, we got a lot of games to talk about, my friend. Oh, yeah. So let's, we got the Heisman talk out of the way. We got the housekeeping done and dusted. So let's jump right in. Let's jump into the national game of the week, the game of the week in the SEC. All eyes in the country. All of a sudden on Knoxville, Tennessee for the Alabama Crimson Tide coming in a little humbled. After their close call with Texas A&M last week, they dropped down to number three in the AP poll, but they're still seven and a half point favorites at number six, Tennessee. This is a rivalry that is played every single year, despite the two teams being in opposite divisions. It's a rivalry where neither team likes each other. Just listen to Alabama's take on uh, Dixieland delight as they sing in the stands. If you have any question about how they feel about Tennessee, but it's a rivalry that's been absolutely one-sided ever since Nick Saban walked through that door in Tuscaloosa, and even maybe yep. a little bit before that. Um, I don't know when the last time Tennessee was going into this game as confident and as honestly competent as they are this year. Obviously, we talked about Hinton Hooker. We talked about that offense. They embarrassed LSU in Baton Rouge last week while Alabama looked a little vulnerable, albeit with a backup quarterback. But man, this game is really exciting. As I mentioned, it's a seven and a half point line. I think that line's leaning towards Bryce Young playing. Nick Saban's kind of been uncommittal about that. But reading the tea leaves, it seems like Bryce Young's going to play. Yeah. If not, if you don't believe Bryce Young's going to play, you maybe want to get on that seven and a half line because I don't know that Jalen Milrow is going to cover that. No, for sure. And I mean, my biggest thing is Alabama's not just catching more than a touchdown in this game. They're catching it on the road. Okay, that is disrespect that the volunteer fans will not take nicely. Uh, you know, everyone is is hyped up about this game. Again, like you were saying, all eyes on this one. When Bama comes into Nalen on Saturday, they're going to let him hear it. But when it comes to these two teams just on paper, one of these teams, and I went ahead blind stats on some of this. So one of these teams is second in points per game and 22nd in points per game allowed. The other team is fifth in points per game and sixth in points per game allowed. One of these teams has a quarterback who completes 70% for 10.1, and the other one has a quarterback completing 67% for 10.1. These are very similar teams when it comes yeah. to what they're putting out there. Bama has the better defense. They were the second team, right, the fifth and sixth. They have the better defense, not quite as good on offense, but I don't think they've played a team like Tennessee yet. And on the flip side, this is going to be the best team that Tennessee has also played, on, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And they need to find a way to execute, take advantage of the opportunities. I think Bama's secondary is a little vulnerable here. But if Bryce Young can play, I, I, I think Tennessee I think Tennessee will end up actually winning this one. I'm picking wow. them outright to win this one. If Bryce Young doesn't play, Tennessee's going to run away with it. Bama can't keep up on the scoring. Even with Bryce Young playing in this game, I think Tennessee probably wins this game. I like what they're doing on offense. I love what Hinton Hooker is doing. I think they're just going to put too much pressure on Bama, and Bama hasn't been as impressive as they have been in years past, right? Again, barely beating Texas, barely beating Texas A&M. Yes, there were factors in that, but it's not like either Texas or Texas A&M were putting out their best product on the field either. They're running into Knoxville, and they're going to run straight into the fire on that one. I think the crowd's going to be amped, and I'm going to go ahead and pick the upset. Tennessee plus 7.5. This is my lucky dog of the century. It is time for them to get it done. Wow. So, man, 
Knoxville's going to burn to the ground <laughs> if they pull off this upset. Oh, they, absolutely. If they're able to pull this out, Knoxville's going to burn to the ground. Just the pinup frustration, the passionate fan base. We've seen that in other sports, especially basketball and baseball in mm-hmm. recent years. It is a passionate fan base. I feel like a lot of people nationally just kind of forget about just because they haven't been as relevant to the national discussion in recent years. But man, I, I would love to be in Knoxville if Tennessee is able to pull this off. I'm a little concerned about Tennessee's defense. I don't think they've played a team that can exploit the holes in their defense quite like Alabama would be able to, sure. assuming Bryce Young's playing. I, obviously, we're going to caveat everything we say. I'm going to take my stance on this game, assuming Bryce Young's playing, like I said. Right. I think the Vegas line indicates that. I think. Nick Saban's comments, he's not committal, but he's saying Bryce Young's progressing, he's practicing, and apparently he took warm-up reps and was even announced as the starter in the stadium last week against him. Yeah. I think Saban was playing it very safe, not throwing Bryce out there against a I think he was pretty confident he could beat the Aggies with Milrow. Obviously, that worked out. So I think Bryce is going to be ready to go. Will he be 100%? Not sure, but I think he'll be good enough to actually get in the game. So no. that's going to cause some problems for this Tennessee defense that I think has definitely not answered all the questions I had about it going into this game. And it's going to be the best quarterback they face all season. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the best offense they face all season. And I think Tennessee can keep up. Now, if Bama's defense decides to play like an Alabama defense, then – all bets are off, but we haven't seen that yet to this point either. So I'm expecting a shootout. I'm expecting a really fun back and forth game. I'm expecting the crowd to play a factor. I do think Bama holds on and wins this game, but it's another really close game for the Tide. We've seen a lot of those the last couple of years. Give me Tennessee to cover the spread and uh, Alabama to win outright. Mitch is also in on Tennessee. He also notes that 80% of the money is on Tennessee. So if you are Man. a fade the public type of person, uh, you are not with us because you want to <laughs> definitely hammer Alabama minus seven and a half. But yeah, I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's definitely going to be one that lives up to that. No, absolutely. And I think that's the point here is this is going to be a really close game, I think is what we're all thinking. I don't see a blowout. I don't think either of these teams, again, assuming Bryce Young plays, neither of these teams has the ability to outrun the other one so far away in the second half. I don't think. The difference is going to come down to clutch playmaking, execution, and right now I think I'd rather be on Tennessee's side when it comes to the end of the game. That's fair. Yeah. Remember, Reichard missed two kicks last week. That yeah, that's also that's also an X factor. You know, mm-hmm. and, and Bama fans, if you've had a lot of joys since Nick Saban took over, your one bugaboo is kickers down the stretch goal in big kicking, games yep. and maybe special teams. So yep. if it comes down to that, maybe look the other way and just grin and bear. So. <laughs> You also got to think Tennessee's due, right? Like you got to think if it's oh, yeah. ever going to happen, it's got to be, be this year. This year. So, yep. yeah, let's go to Big Ten country. Let's go up to the big noon kickoff in Big Ten country, Saturday, 11 a.m. Central time on Fox game. A lot of people were kind of assuming I think was going to get college game day um, with the uh, another top 10 matchup with top 10 Penn State taking on number five, Michigan at the big house. This is the first prove-it game of the year for Penn State for me. And I know they're getting a lot of credit for just beating the snot out of Auburn. Auburn's capital be bad. So I, I'm not necessarily giving them as much credit. Now, they looked amazing in that game. Sure. But I think it could be problematic facing the first truly competent, firing on all cylinders, whatever you want to call it, team that they have this year going into 
um, the big house to face Michigan. Now, Michigan hasn't looked as scary as they did when they stepped up in competition the last couple of weeks, but they're returning home. They've probably been looking ahead to this game a little bit with their last couple of weeks against Iowa and Indiana. I just think this Michigan defense is going to cause a lot of problems. So we, we've seen really good Sean Clifford so far this year. He's limited the turnovers. I don't think he's turned the ball over since the Purdue game, um, if I'm not mistaken, the first week of the season. But that might not be the case after this weekend. I think Michigan has a chance to run away with this one and maybe expose Penn State a little bit. Yeah, no, there really is a chance. This is a huge spot for both teams, right? They're both trying to kind of emerge as the main competition for Ohio State in that in that entire conference, right? Because we've kind of talked about the Big Ten West, you know, whatever, get them out of here. We don't think they're going to be very competitive when it comes to the Big Ten overall. But either of these teams could go on a run and provide decent competition for Ohio State. Um, playing this game in the big house is a massive advantage for the Wolverines. I think they need this. They need all the help they can get in this game because we like to disrespect Penn State. We like to talk about how Sean Clifford's okay and, you know, it's just fine. They did stomp Auburn, to be fair. Now, granted, the Tigers might be trash. They might just be hot garbage. But they did it at Jordan Hare, and, and they took care of business otherwise, right? You can't say enough about a team taking care of business and doing what it needs to do just to win games, right? That's hard to do, even if you're a good team, is to go on the road and, and go through the grind of a schedule and just win games, right? Even if it's not your day. The offense is effective for Penn State. They're running back Nick Singleton. He's averaging seven yards per carry on just over 60 carries so far. The defense has been stout for Penn State. They've held their competition to minimal totals in just about every single statistical category, but I think that changes on Saturday. Michigan is by far the best offense Penn State has seen so far. It's not even close. They're going to be able to run the ball with Blake Corum. You know, we were talking about him and the Heisman possibilities. He's, I think this is one of those Heisman moments where you have to show up on a big stage and kind of show out. I think he'll have something like that. The quarterback needs to take a step forward. I've been saying it for a couple weeks. Michigan's quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, has to play better. He just has to be a little bit more efficient, a little bit more dynamic, stretch the field. But if he can do that, this is going to keep the Nittany Lions honest. They're going to be able to run the ball however they want to. And I think Michigan has just no issues winning this game. I'm going to go ahead and take Michigan minus seven. Go Big Blue. And also, this episode comes out on Teddy Moore, super fan from Michigan. It comes out on his wedding. So happy wedding day to you, Teddy. Michigan minus seven. There we go. We love to see that. Congratulations, Teddy. We hope it's a beautiful day for you. Yeah, if you like running backs, tune into this game because Nick Singleton, um, he's a great running back, and it's a one-two punch for Penn State as well with uh, Allen up there as well. They kind of mix both of those guys in, both averaging more than five yards a carry, in addition to Blake Corum, of course, on the other side, who's third in the NCAA in rushing right now. So (laughs) this could be a quick game. (laughs) Like I, I think it could be one that's over in about three hours if the teams are running the ball, if the defenses are, you know, kind of doing their job like they've done in other games. It could be a very low-scoring game. I think I would bet the under, but I think Michigan's just a little bit too talented. And like I said, I think Penn State's offensive line has done a good job of protecting Sean Clifford so far this year. I think that was a concern coming into the year for the Nittany Lions. They haven't faced a pass rush like they're going to face this week against Michigan. I think that's going to cause a lot of problems. You saw glimpses of that in the Auburn game when they were facing a big physical, albeit less talented defensive line. So, yeah, I I think Michigan is just going to kind of out bully Penn State in this one and kind of show that they are the prime challenger to Penn State. 
Yeah. Now, what I will also say is... Right, pa- prime challenger to Ohio State. So. Right, Ohio State, yeah. <laughs> uh, I do think that both teams want a similar game script, though. I think both teams want low numbers of possessions, you know, efficiency, executing, and all that stuff. I don't think either team wants this to become a shootout. I think both teams want to kind of make the most of their possessions and might maybe get one or two stops on the other side more than the other guy. So I think it's going to be an interesting game. On Kind of what you were saying, it could be real quick. Like, we could see just... Long drive, long drive, long drive, long drive, and then it's the half, right? You can see, you know, four or five drives total in the first half. So really curious to watch this one. This will definitely be on the screen for me. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go to our last uh, headliner of this week. 2.30 p.m. on Saturday on ABC. It's the number eight undefeated at 5-0 and Oklahoma State Cowboys traveling down I-35 to Eamon Carter Stadium in Fort Worth to face the number 13 undefeated TCU Horn Frogs. TCU a four-point favorite in this one. I was kind of surprised by that. I thought Mitch might have uh, Mitch made the show doc, and I thought he might have messed up in that, but I did confirm that uh, mm-hmm. TCU is a favorite in this one. And so it's kind of the juggernaut that we expected in Oklahoma State, the juggernauts of the Big 12, versus the juggernaut that no one expected in TCU. We have beat that drum a lot. We've talked about how TCU has just kind of come out of nowhere in Sunny Dykes year one. Now here's the big test. They passed the one against Kansas. I think everyone, you know, the Vegas line definitely shows that it was kind of expected that they were supposed to win at Kansas last week. We don't know that Kansas was necessarily ready to win on that big of a stage, right. but this is the big one, right? If TCU is going to show that they are here to stay in the big 12 this year, Knocking off Oklahoma State at home um, when all eyes are on you on ABC at 2.30, that's the statement that you can make. These offenses, both of the offenses have been clicking. They haven't missed a beat all season, really. Again, I'm shocked TCU's favored. I think that almost makes me want to steer into this one, especially with them at home. But overall, I just love this Oklahoma State team too much. I know you really Mm -hmm. love Oklahoma State. Oh, yeah. Spencer Sanders and all the weapons on offense, the defense, you know, Look, they got blitzed by Barron and the boys last week, but I think that kind of came out of nowhere. That kind of shocked even them. They weren't really preparing for that type of offensive game plan from Texas right. Tech. So I'm willing to give them a pass on that because they've been elite in other games. They've been the standard of the Big 12 the last couple of years. So I really love the pokes here. You're giving me four points. Same situation they were in a couple weeks ago down in Waco where they're dogs on the road to Baylor and they just kind of come out and take care of business and don't really break a too much of a sweat. I think I could see a similar game. Yeah, for sure. This, this line has got to be like the worst line of the week. Personally for me, look, I get it. Okay. TCU, they beat a very good Kansas team. They stomped all over a bad Oklahoma team, which by the way, having one of the worst stretches, I think any team has ever had. I think I saw something like they're giving up about 50 points and like the worst team in all time has given up 50 points over the course of the or 50 points per game over the course of the season. So they're literally as bad as you could be on defense right now, um, as bad as anyone's ever been on defense during the stretch. So um, sorry, Oklahoma fans had to go ahead and throw that one on there. I'm sure my Oklahoma State fans are fine hearing me talk about it. But um, look, they, they beat Oklahoma. They beat Kansas. I get it. But what else is TCU boasting right now? Right. They're really good. They're a good squad. They have a great offense. They're coming off their first real road test. They're playing a team who I think is the best team in the Big 12. This should be a phenomenal game, but what are we looking at with this line, right? So let's just kind of compare the two teams for a second. 
These teams are both tied for third in the nation in points per game. You have Spencer Sanders versus Max Duggan, both incredible quarterbacks. I think Spencer Sanders has most experience here. I think he's going to be the better player in this game just because he has the experience of going on the road, being in these big spots, because that's the other part of it. Spencer Sanders has been in these competitive games, right, where it's important for the for the sake of the season, right, where he's trying to save the season. Whereas Max Duggan, he hasn't played necessarily that meaningful of football yet. Both of them are in run-first offenses, but are very explosive. Uh, both of them have big-time playmakers all over the field. This is going to be huge, and for me, the difference is on defense. I think Oklahoma State has played better offenses so far, and they've looked better on defense doing it. I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair. I think it's going to be electric. I would love to be at the Carter for this game, but tickets are ridiculous. So go ahead and give me the experience at quarterback. Give me the clutch in the quarterback. And give me some of the pass rush for the Cowpokes at the end of this game to kind of seal this one. Oklahoma State's going to win this game, but give me it plus four. Yeah, I think... Even if you consider both of the offenses kind of a wash because they're both explosive, they both have really good quarterback play. You want to talk about a diss real quick. Back on our Heisman conversation, according to Vegas Insider, Max Duggan doesn't even have registerable odds right now wow. for the Heisman. I think that's a crime and someone... He's undefeated. <laughs> yeah, and he's putting up... Bon- he has better numbers than Spencer yeah. Sanders. Even. Yeah. So, I mean, th- that's just a side note, but yeah. This is going to be a great uh, opportunity to watch a couple of very great offenses play. When that's the case, I'm looking at who can make a couple more stops. Who do I trust to make a couple more stops on defense? I think that's Oklahoma State. I think they've proven that they are more capable of that, more consistent at doing that this year. TCU gave up four second-half touchdown passes to a backup quarterback last week. Like They pulled out Mm -hmm. that win in Lawrence, and I know it was a crazy environment, but... Defense really didn't impress me as much as Oklahoma State's has this year. So I'm Mm going to take the pokes on the road. Garrett, you might want to reconsider your plans. I'm seeing a get-in price of just 38 bucks for that game. Ooh, hold on. Hold on. Things have changed. Yeah, I mean, uh, you could put that money that you sold for the TCU-SMU game. uh, Hey, there you uh, go. Yeah, just That's an upgrade right there. Amon G. Carter. So just something to consider. If you're in the greater Fort Worth area and you want to see a good college football game, not a bad option. So it'll be very good. A um, couple points than, yeah, on the Max Duggan note. The numbers are great. I didn't necessarily believe you when you said his numbers are better, but his numbers are fantastic. He's got 73% yeah. completions, 1300 yards, 14 touchdowns to one interception. He's got a 194 quarterback rate right now. That's that's a passer right now, quarterback. But um, that, that's crazy right now. I'm I'm shocked at these numbers. The other thing for me, though, on this game, again, the offenses are going to be incredible. Who's going to get you the pass breakup? Who's going to get you the sack? Who's going to get you, you know, just just that one play that makes the difference that changes a possession on a third down? I think one of Oklahoma State's defensive linemen is like tied for the Big 12 lead in pass breakups or something like that. And that's kind of crazy coming from a defensive lineman. It's like J.J. Watt. Yeah, no, for sure. And and so I think, you know, this is a good, this is a good Oklahoma State defense despite the scoring. I think that's just what it comes down to in the Big 12. You're going to score points in the Big 12. That's just what happens. So you can't go on just the scoring defenses alone. You have to look at the finer numbers. On this, I love Oklahoma State's defense compared to TCU. Yeah, great points. And just one more thing bragging on Max Duggan, who, 
I feel like I need to apologize for on every show because I keep saying, oh, he's on a heater. But no, he's legitimately good. We can he's say He's just that. good. He's just good. Those stats that you mentioned are in essentially four games because he wasn't even the starter for the opener against Which Colorado. Which is nuts, yeah. Yeah, imagine he might already have 2,000 yards passing if he was playing full-time against Colorado. So, I mean, yeah, against Colorado, you could maybe get 2,000 against just Colorado if you play the exactly. whole game. <laughs> exactly. Sorry to kick you while you're down, Buffalo fans. But it is what it is. So... Those are our main headliners this week. Um, top 10 matchups galore. Um, TCU sitting right outside the top 10. I think they are, they've shown to be a top 10 caliber team so far this year, even if their ranking is only 13 in the AP poll. So lots of fun matchups. All three early in the day. The evening window is slacking a little bit this week. And if you're looking for something mm-hmm. to do, maybe make plans in the evening, but tons of action to kick off your college football Saturday. Let's get into our main screen games. So these are kind of a next tier down. Uh, first up, speaking of the night window, this is the marquee matchup of the evening. It's number seven USC traveling to Salt Lake City to take on number 20 Utah. Utes are three and a half point favorites. This one's 7 p.m. Central on Fox. This game has lost a little bit of its luster with Utah stumbling in the other half of the L.A. rivalry to UCLA last week. Mm-hmm. So... A lot of people were circling this one preseason. I know when I was making our three tech college game day predictions, I expected game day to be at this game this week. And I think game day was expecting to be at this game this week (laughs) until Utah kind of pooped on those plans last week. So, Oh yeah, man, I am really fascinated to see if this Utah defense is able to bounce back from just a horrid performance last week against UCLA against Lincoln Riley's bunch who, you know, if you know anything about college football, the past couple of years, Lincoln Riley is the offensive savant. Caleb Williams is right in the middle of that Heisman race at quarterback. And there's just weapons and talent galore on this USC offense. So I'm kind of surprised that Utah's favored at home. Again, there's a lot of these lines that are kind of surprising with home favorites this week. And usually I steer into that, but I just don't know that Utah is going to be able to find an answer on defense that quickly. I don't think USC is the get right game on defense. And I don't know that they can keep up on offense. No, I, I don't think that they can. Altitude's not going to help the Utes in this one. Um, they, <laughs> they have struggled a lot on defense, which is kind of surprising because so Clark Phillips, the third is actually the highest rated corner this year. And the defense is still bad. Right? He's the highest rated corner in all of college football, and their defense still can't play well. Not what you want to say when Lincoln Riley's coming to town. right? Um, I, I think I'm going to bail on the Utes this week. It, it breaks my heart to do it. I was so high on them for the entire preseason. I, I just I can't do it. I can't do it with this game. I, I think USC is going to come in there, take care of business, and they can try to get right next time. I'm going to take USC plus three and a half. I, I'd probably pick them to win this one. Yeah, and you know, I, I know some people will probably throw some stats at us. Like Utah's total defense, you know, they're only giving up 315 yards a game, and mm-hmm. that's good for 22nd in the country. That's really good in a vacuum. But when that translates to 42 points in a conference game just last week, there's going to be cause for concern, and it's yeah. definitely more, way more concerning than we were uh, coming into this season. We thought that was going to kind of be the strength of the team. And so, yeah, I'm just really concerned with their ability, especially if USC starts hot, if they come into this one, just really fired up, which I think they will be. I think USC is probably going to use this as their prove it game 
this was definitely the one that us on this podcast and the national media were kind of saying, yeah, they might start hot, but when they go to Utah, they're going to show that they're not really contenders. So I think they're going to use that for motivation. I think that could be another X factor in this game as well. Yeah, and to be clear, USC did struggle against, uh, God, who was it? It was, was it Stanford or someone like that where they, yeah, like they beat them 17 to 14? Uh, Oregon State. Oregon, or State, Oregon State. State, yeah, you're right, yeah. you're right. But they just like barely beat them on a last second play. And so let's be completely fair. They could lose this game if they come out flat. I just don't think that that's going to happen. I think that you you get a tune-up. You know, I, I've talked about it a couple weeks now in a row, you know, with Georgia against Mizzou, right? And even with, you know, Alabama against A&M. Good teams get, you know, days off, right? If you come out and you perform lower than expectations, you can have a game off as long as you win. That's what USC did. They can't have another game off, and I don't think they're going to take another game off. I think they're going to be just fine in this one. Yeah, and you know, Utah's really struggled. Not not to kick them while they're down, but they've really struggled against the two most competent teams they've played so far. This mm-hmm. year, Florida in week one, UCLA last week. I, you know, usually two losses is the max for Utah. I really don't want to see them spiral. At the same time, I'm also kind of rooting I know UCLA and USC are kind of the villains of the Pac-12 for leaving them high and dry right now. I so want that battle for LA to be super meaningful to the playoff race in a couple weeks. We have a shot at that being an undefeated matchup or a matchup of a couple one-loss teams at worst case. So personally, I'm really rooting for that. I think that would be awesome to see. So yeah, I'm going to back the Trojans in this one. And with Um, only 13 people in attendance for that game too. I think it's at the Coliseum, so we might. Oh, see is it at the Coliseum? Never mind, never mind. Okay. I can't remember off the top of my head. Maybe there will be fans. I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe the LA NFL teams will be out of it by then too. Fans <laughs> will just kind of migrate over. They should just play it at SoFi. That would probably. Attract. Why not? Right. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's go across the country from sea to shining sea over to our first mention of the ACC. We've got number fifteen NC State at number eighteen. Yes, you heard that right. Number 18 and undefeated Syracuse Orange. They are three and a half point favorites against the Wolfpack in what we still refer to as the Carrier Dome. Saturday, 2.30 p.m. It's been relegated to the ACC network for some reason. I guess ESPN wants to boost the ratings of that channel, but yeah, no idea. No idea why this top 20 matchup is on the ACC network. I digress, but man, it's so weird. I'm not convinced about anything to do with Syracuse football because yes, they're undefeated. Yes. Their offense has looked pretty dang good, but Holy cow. I don't know if they're actually good. Like the, the running joke that the sickos committee, they have this little cursive graphic and it's hilarious. I laugh every time I see it. And all it says is in cursive script is Syracuse good. And that is a legitimate <laughs> yep. question that I still have six weeks. We don't know. Season. So I think I know that NC state is good on one side of the ball. Their defense has been lights out this year. Their offense is just lacking a big play threat through the air, and that's going to be very concerning. Um, Syracuse can score and get exciting on offense, and the Carrier Dome, I think it's going to be absolutely rocking this week. I think it's going to borderline any basketball atmosphere that they see there. But So I'm going to cautiously side with the Qs on this one. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites. I don't know why. This is where I'm going to steer into the weird line because this one just doesn't make sense at all for me. I also want to caveat this with the fact that there is a very real, greater than zero chance that the Qs finish five and seven after starting five and zero because their close to the schedule is just 
absolutely brutal. Yeah, it's nuts. I have almost no read on this game. Again, kind of for the same reason as you. I just don't know what I think about Syracuse yet. You said it. The game is just weird, right? This game is just going to be weird. Weird is the word of this game. What I do know, though, is that NC State, they've got to be disappointed, right? They came into the year, you know, playoff hopefuls. They lose to Clemson. They're, they're down, right? They're, they're kind of, you know, licking their wounds a little bit. I get it. They haven't looked very good so far. I still think they're kind of trying to get up off the mat. They haven't convinced me that they're very good yet. Their, their defense is legit. They can play defense. But I'm just not convinced that they're that good of a team. With that being said, in a really weird game here, I'm going with the only thing I know, which is that NC State can play defense. And I'm going to assume that that travels, shuts down the cues, watch them make a couple mistakes, watch a weird game. And I think NC State covers a three and a half. I'm not sure if they win. I could see this being one of those ugly, miss an extra point type of games. But I'm not sure they win this one. But I'll take them to cover the three and a half. Yeah, I... 100% 100% believe that something weird will dis- decide this game. That's kind yeah. of been Syracuse football this year. They have played some close games. Blew out Louisville to start the season. They come uh, beat UConn, go back home to play Purdue. And that one was just bonkers. Um, if you remember that game week three. Barely beat Virginia and then just destroy Wagner before the bye week. Mm-hmm. This is what I was talking about, though, with the very real, very greater than zero chance to finish five and seven. They've got number 15 NC State this week. They go on the road to face Clemson week after that. Back home for Notre Dame, at Pitt, back home for Florida State, at Wake Forest, and then at Boston College to finish oh, man. the season. So I know what you're you thinking. You've got to be Boston College. College. <laughs> got to be Boston College to guarantee bowl eligibility. But that's weird to say about you know a number 18 team in the land at this point in the year. But I'm not convinced if they're good. And it's, it's the weirdest thing. You'd think that we would know something about this team by now. You would think so. The weird thing about this is they, their best chance at a win might be at home against Notre Dame, who certainly hasn't looked like world beaters. They've definitely looked down. Boston College is on the road. That's at the end of the year. That's going to be real cold. They play indoors. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not 100% sure that they're going to be able to go on the road and win that game. So, yeah, maybe coming off Clemson, you know, they, they just had that sort of intensity for practice, so they're ready for Notre Dame. I, I don't know. Notre Dame might be their best chance at a win, but, man, I hope we don't get a 5-7 and seven Syracuse. I want them to make a bowl game. Yeah, I, I do too. And, you know, if you're into advanced analytics, Syracuse is, advanced, uh, Syracuse is ranked 57th in the SP Plus and 32nd in the FPI. According to the SP Plus, they have a 1.3% chance of reaching 12 and 0, I think that is 1.3% too high. So <laughs> I think a little bit. Syracuse, I, I hope they keep it rolling. It's been a really fun storyline to follow this year. All these basketball schools doing really, really well at football. So rooting for them this week. And I'm going to back them. I'm going to give them my seal of approval for this week just because I think it's going to be weird, but not confident after this week uh, with that murderers are of a schedule. Let's go back to the SEC. We've got number eight. 16 um, and rapidly rising Mississippi State four point favorites on the road at number two, 22 Kentucky, who just got steamrolled by South Carolina 24 to 14 last week in a game that wasn't even really that close, didn't feel that close. Now, Will Levis is coming back for uh, Kentucky this week. I think he's already been announced the starter. We were kind of caught off guard by him not playing last week. It was kind of I think another a situation similar to Nick Saban where 
They probably thought they had South Carolina under control with the backup and then got very surprised, saving, yeah. maybe trying to save him for Mississippi State. But, man, the biggest concern for me for Kentucky in this one is someone who was beating the drum of them actually being good is their offensive line. I think they've just been atrocious so far this year. The reason Will Levis was hurt was because they couldn't block Ole Miss's defensive front. Mississippi State has a dangerous defensive front, and I think they could get – they could push for double-digit sacks in this game if Kentucky hasn't figured something out. Wow. Yeah, I mean, there's a chance. Look, Mississippi State is continuing to tirade through the SEC. Leach is at the helm. The Pirates steering the ship. Everything's fun right there in Stark Vegas. So, look, I'm pumped on Mississippi State. I'm glad people are starting to kind of finally come around to what I was saying in the preseason is that, look, Mississippi State could be dangerous. They're playing a Kentucky team that is absolutely reeling right now. That's not going to stop this week. This is a massive letdown spot for State if they're looking ahead to Bama, but I don't believe that for a minute. Give me Mississippi State, minus four. That right there is my Stone Cold Lock of the Week. Yeah, yeah, too easy. I'm, I'm, go ahead. Just way too easy. I think that, again, I've been talking about it. Will Rogers, one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. He's going to keep rolling. Kentucky just hasn't impressed me really in any phase of the game except for running the football. I don't think Will Levis can keep up with that. I think that's way too much pressure. You let this Mississippi State defense pin its ears back against a bad offensive line, you're going to have some problems. Yeah, it, and that, that's my biggest concern. I, I don't think Kentucky can block Mississippi State up front. Will Levis is going to be running for his life if he's even able to get outside the pocket. And when Will Levis has had to run for his life this year, he's turned the ball over. So mm-hmm. it, it's not a recipe for success against a Mississippi State team that's feeling extremely confident after the last couple of weeks taking care of business against A&M and Arkansas. So, yeah, give me Mississippi State minus four. We haven't. I've done a bad job of including. I've done a bad job of including Mitch's picks as well. Um, but Mitch is in on this one. Mississippi State minus four as well. Let's go back to the ACC, 6.30 p.m. Saturday Night Football on ABC. Clemson, number four, still undefeated, three-and-a-half-point favorites at Florida State. Florida State's been a roller coaster of a team this year. Um, It started, of course, in New Orleans with the crazy pull-the-rabbit-out-of-the-hat victory against uh, LSU. They come back home, they look like world beaters, and then they drop a couple games uh, to Wake Forest and um, NC State look at the last couple of weeks. Kind of coming back down to earth a little bit. I don't think that that stops this week. DJU, we thought we were going to have a DJU special last week against Boston College at the beginning <laughs> of that game. He pulled it back out. He, you know, figured it out. He got it together, and Clemson won that one going away. I think Clemson looks fully operational on both sides of the ball. FSU's really struggled with athletic defenses so far this year. I think there's one way Florida State could win this game with DJU turnovers and some big plays on their offense. I think there's about five ways Clemson can win it. So give me Clemson minus three and a half. Yeah, Clemson is rounding back into form, like you were saying. They're they're getting back to looking like the Clemson they have been for the last, what, six, seven years. They're, They're looking like that team again. And I'm happy to see that happen. I'm glad that there's still some parity and it's not just going to be back to, you know, Bama and Ohio State and Georgia and that's it, right? I'm happy that there's still some teams and some other conferences that can hold some 
hold some weight on the national stage. Poor so, little Clemson. We're glad that they're that they're getting a bone thrown their way. <laughs> it, it, yeah, good for them. No, it, it, but really, like it is good to have a Clemson in college football, right? Absolutely. It's the team that they're Absolutely. they're able to win the national championship every year. They're in the ACC. If they're good, they're going to roll through, and, and that's kind of what we're expecting them to do here. I think I'm expecting them to kind of get back. DJU is the truth. He is absolutely playing, you know, like like we all expected him to coming out of high school. Finally getting to that point in his career where he's turning it on, putting up some big numbers. Night game at the Knolls, it's intimidating, but they've already faced adversity on the road. They've already seen it. They played a team that was much better than Florida State and still won on the road. Go ahead, give me Clemson minus three and a half. This one's pretty easy for me as well. Uh, they're looking like a good team again. Yeah, I forgot to mention Clemson is my Stone Cold Lock of the Week. Very good. Jordan Travis, you know, started out really, really hot in that LSU game and kind of continued that through the next couple of weeks. But, you know, he he kept up well. He was kind of playing from behind a lot against Wake Forest. But, man, did NC State give him problems last week through two interceptions he really struggled to you know keep the chains moving he did run the ball well seven attempts for 108 yards i think a lot of that was when plays were breaking down just kind of out of necessity i think it's another step up in defensive competition so i'm not super confident in his ability to um overcome that this week so yeah give me clemson i think that they will take care of business yeah. Now, um, Mitch as well. Mitch, he's has FSU minus three and a half. I don't think they're getting minus three and a half. I think he meant to say plus. So I think Mitch is on FSU to go ahead and cover this one. But yes. in the event that he wants FSU minus three and a half, I do not grant it to him. I will give him FSU minus three and a half. We're betting straight up. If he wants to give me that in the ledger. Uh, yeah, you can take it, Mitch. Go for it. <laughs> um, all right. Let's go back to the SEC. My personal favorite SEC West, SEC East annual crossover game um, outside of the battle for the bottom trophy, of course, between Texas A&M and South Carolina, because that goes without saying that traditional rivalry is what college football is all about. (laughs) But LSU going to Gainesville, take on the Florida Gators. The Gators are two and a half point favorites um, at home Saturday, six o'clock central on ESPN. Weird stuff happens in this game. That's my biggest takeaway. Last time we were in Gainesville was the COVID year, of course, and college football was thrown on its head by a shoe being thrown across the field. Quite literally thrown. Quite literally thrown on its head. So a fog game, just everything about that. I remember I was on my honeymoon for that game. My wife had fallen asleep in the hotel room, and I was just kind of flipping through the channels on the TV, and I found that game on – an international television station. <laughs> Anyways, weird stuff happens in this game. That's a given. Ah, it's so hard for me to get a read on this game because I don't know what LSU under Brian Kelly is. I don't know that I can count on them to be consistent week in, week out. Are they going to show up on offense? I don't know. Is their defense going to show up and play to their capability? I don't know. Florida's kind of the same way, though. So Anthony Richardson he has the skill set um, to be a problem, but really the only t- uh, quarterback that's given LSU fits this year consistently was Hinton Hooker. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Anthony Richardson has the skill set to follow that b- blueprint. So 
I'm concerned that the Tennessee game might be breaking the Tigers just a little bit. It's going to be, it's going to say a lot about Brian Kelly, how they show up in this game, but I'm going to take the Gators cautiously to cover this one at home minus two and a half. Yeah, it would have to be cautious. I don't think there's loads of confidence that could go into this one. Um, again, weird stuff either happens. Way, like e- either way. No, yeah, no. I don't feel yeah. fantastic picking this one because you never know when someone's going to throw a shoe. You know, I'll give my anecdote from that game real quick. My wife and I were sitting at a sports bar when that happened, and I didn't believe my eyes. I was like, no, surely I've seen this wrong from across the restaurant. It was dim lighting. You know, you're, you're several seats away. So you're like, no, he didn't throw a shoe. That must have been something else. No, he threw a shoe. So, yeah, just very bizarre. Very, very bizarre in this game. I think we got a little bit ahead of ourselves on LSU this season, but we definitely got ahead of ourselves with Florida. Anthony Richardson looks like a guy who still needs loads of development. He, he cannot throw the football effectively over four quarters in a football game. I just don't trust him to keep up with what I think is a solid LSU team. I don't think they're particularly good. I don't think they've got the the, the ponies to run with everybody this year. I don't think they're going to be able to pull like a Bama upset. I don't think they can beat you know the the Ole Miss or you know some teams like that. So I don't I don't think they have that in them this year. Maybe if they get lucky on a good day, but. I don't know, man. I just I don't think that that's LSU this year. Florida is not one of those teams. So I'm going to go ahead and pick them to beat Florida. I do think they win the game, so I'll take them with the plus two and a half. Yeah, I really thought Anthony Richardson was starting to pull out of that start of the season funk that he had. You know, he mm-hmm. wasn't really electric throwing the ball. He looked good running it, especially against Utah sure, yeah. and all the other teams at the beginning of the schedule. But you know, he threw for 453 against Tennessee. He backed that up with um, – the stat line is just absurd against Eastern Washington. Eight for 10 for 240 yards. And I know it's an FCS team, but oh. still, holy crap. Um, yeah. But then he and the whole offense really just threw up a stinker last week against Mizzou. And credit them for winning that game, but they looked bad against the Missouri Tigers last week at home. So – I'm not confident in my pick. I know something weird's going to happen in this game. Question for you, though, is this a game that defines who's kind of ahead of schedule in their year one at their new program versus who still has a lot to go? I think there are different spots just in terms of, I, I think, where the roster is and, and the scale of coach. I think LSU is already having to kind of speed up the process just based on who Brian Kelly is and the way that their roster was left, they still got loads of talent and obviously the built-in recruiting advantage in LSU and, and, and the state of Louisiana, right? So I, I think LSU fans have higher expectations for him to get somewhere quicker, whereas at Florida, you know, obviously they didn't bring in a guy who – you know, was the all-time win leader at his former stop. Uh, they didn't bring in a guy with that kind of caliber. I, I think they brought in the right coach for them. I think Napier is a fantastic coach. I just don't think that they brought in that level of coach. And they also didn't have near the roster that LSU had in terms of just sheer talent. Additionally, recruiting the state of Florida is especially difficult because, you know, teams like Bama, Georgia, you know, Texas, Texas A&M, they're, they're all reaching into that state to try to grab talent. To, and then they're having to fight with Miami and Florida State as well. So uh, I, I don't think this can be defining too much in terms of whose program's ahead versus whose program's like better, I guess, at this point. I think they're in very different spots with very different expectations right now. Yeah, that's fair. And I, both coaches new to the SEC and needing to kind of mm-hmm. find to show that they can be sure. powers in the SEC as well. 
I will say, I think Brian Kelly needs this one more. Interesting. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't, I can't really argue with that. It, it, two losses in a row to the sec East would mm-hmm. not be a good look in Baton Rouge. And you might start seeing nope. some grumbling um, amongst the locals there in Louisiana. Let's go back to the ACC. We've got a couple more kind of top bill games to get through. Um, maybe not two that we're are necessarily agreeing with the national prevailing narrative. Um, we'll get to some more interesting games in our second screen games in a little bit, but our last two kind of big screen games. Um, we'll kind of tag team this here, Garrett. UNC seven point favorites at your Duke Blue Devils Saturday night on the ACC network at seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. And then the kind of later Pac 12, almost after dark game, eight o'clock central. Washington State at Oregon State. Oregon State is uh, three and a half point favorites. Garrett, your Duke Blue Devils started strong, but they're kind of starting to fade a little bit. How confident are you going into this rivalry game against North Carolina? Man, I want to believe in my darling. I really do. But look, their over-under win total was three and a half. They already hit four. I don't think the rest of the wins are going to come very easily this year in conference. Plus, Drake May just looks like a future star for the Tar Heels. That might have been a guy that we overlooked when we were talking about just big stats and disrespected quarterbacks. Drake May's got a 69% completions, 1,900 yards, 21 touchdowns, and three interceptions. Kids lighten it up. He's going to be a future superstar out there. Um, uh, Give me UNC minus seven on this one. When it comes to Washington State and Oregon State, I don't really love either of these teams. I don't trust their offenses, I don't think. But I do like the Cougar defense enough to make some plays, so I will take Washington State in that one plus three and a half. Yeah, I'm right there with you on the Tar Heels. Drake May, Sam Howell who? Yeah, who's that guy? That was the big concern going into this year is how is Matt Brown going to move the ball without Sam Howell, and it's looking effortless with Drake May. Drake May eats steak. Yeah, with no – Guaranteed. no holds barred on that one. No. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think too much offense for UNC um, for Duke to stop. I am interested to see how Elko schemes against UNC. I think that could be yeah. a chess match. I think that's why the line is maybe a little bit lower than you'd expect in this one. But I'm confident in UNC covering. Over on the West Coast, uh, Chance Nolan, I don't think he'll be back for Oregon State. The backup filled in nicely against Stanford, but... Washington State's defense is way better than Stanford's. Uh, yeah. Stanford is a team that has not beaten. You know what? I'll save that stat for when uh, we get to Stanford <laughs> Notre Dame in a little bit. But um, yeah, it's a step up in competition for the backup quarterback for Oregon State. I think Washington State goes into Corvallis and covers that three and a half point spread. Yeah. All right, let's go to our second screen games. We're going to kind of go through these chronologically. So I'll kind of break down the time window here. So. First up, we finally have a actual Thursday night college game. I know we actually have Wednesday night football as we're recording this right now with uh, Louisiana and Marshall in the fun belt, but thank the Lord, something is going to distract us from the atrocity that Amazon is putting on on Thursday night. Oh my I know gosh, personally, yes. I will be watching this one. Baylor, three and a half point favorites at West Virginia on Thursday night. You have a leaning in this one? Uh, Well, my leaning is going to be that I'm going to be at Teddy's wedding, and so I probably won't end up watching this one. Uh, (laughs) But with that being said, I'll probably end up just watching a little bit. Um, No, I I think I like Baylor in this one to win. 
Um, I, I think West Virginia is just not there. I, I don't think they're a very good squad. They came out and looked a lot more competitive than we expected them to to start the season, and they've kind of faded. Might be some issues in the locker room. I don't really know. But no, I, I don't like West Virginia in this one, even at home. So I, I'm taking Baylor in this one to kind of get right. It's concerning for West Virginia for sure. I think if you're looking for hope as a Mountaineers fan, you have you have the ability to have an explosive offense. We've seen that a couple times this year against Kansas, against Pitt, against Virginia Tech at times. That can be where Baylor struggles. But yeah, I think Baylor's defense is going to control West Virginia relatively well. And yeah, I'm just going to be happy that there's college football on on a Thursday night and I don't have to watch the, I think it's the Commanders and the Bears is the Thursday Ew. night offering from the NFL. Who even wants to watch that? That's terrible. After after last Thursday's debacle, I might be canceling my Amazon Prime. <laughs> Let's go ahead to the uh, morning slate on Saturday. A couple of interesting games here. We've got Kansas Jayhawks trying to bounce back from their first loss of the season on the road at Oklahoma. Oklahoma nine-point favorites in this one. 11 a.m. Saturday on ESPN2. We've also got Iowa State visiting the Texas Longhorns. Texas 16.5-point favorites on ABC. And then my personal most interesting game in the 11 o'clock window is Minnesota, 6.5-point favorites coming off a just disastrous loss to Purdue. Um, traveling to Champaign, the greater Urbana-Champaign area, to take on the newly ranked number 24, Illinois fighting in the Illini. Again, Minnesota, six-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, the shadow realm. The shadow realm in and of itself. Let's start with Kansas-Oklahoma because lots of interesting things going on here. I think we'll get Dylan Gabriel back for Oklahoma. You have to think they've kind of got cornered animal syndrome after the last few weeks. Um, Jaden Daniels just all over the map with this injury update. I, he's listed as doubtful. It was reported that he was out for the season, but then he fired back on Twitter with, and I quote, sheesh, that's news to me. So <laughs> I don't know if that's something that he's just, you know, it looks very unlikely that he'll play this week. I don't know if he was firing back that he won't be back at all this season, but I think it's pretty safe to say he'll be out this week. And so I'm really interested to see if Kansas can prove that they are still a contender. They've kind of lost the magic a little bit. Can they go into Norman and kick a Sooner team while they're really down bad? Yeah, this is one of the worst stretches for Oklahoma. I have no idea how they're nine-point favorites in this one. They got to prove they they can score nine points first. They didn't put up anything against Texas. I, I wrote these stats down. I think I had mentioned it earlier. Oklahoma has given up an average of 587 yards per game. Over the last three, they've given up over 48 points per game in their last three. The worst defense in the history of the Big 12 was a Kansas team who gave up 560 yards per game in a season, right? That's a worse mark than that Kansas team had. And additionally, like I said, the worst defense in college history gave up 50 points a game. That was Louisiana. They're giving up almost 40 the last three games. This is almost one of the worst stretches any football team has had on defense, you combine that with the fact that, yeah, if Jalen Daniels doesn't play, that's a big hit. It's not like they didn't score against TCU. They looked a heck of a lot better than Oklahoma did against TCU. Yeah. I think I'd pick Kansas to win this game. And, and I think that they're just different teams in different places. And this is a lot of name right now. Yeah, it's interesting. Like The nine-point spread was just shocking to me. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's people trying to – maybe that's Vegas trying to get – 
money from the casuals, you know, like just leaning in on the Oklahoma name versus the Kansas name. But at this right. point in the season, anybody that's even casually paying attention knows that that's not true. Now, Jason Bean has to come out and show that he wasn't just a one-hit wonder. He looked right. great in that second half against TCU, both throwing and running the ball. But got to show it. Got to show consistency. Got to make sure that he is actually taking care of the football. I think I'm with you. I think I definitely like Kansas to cover that spread and probably even it went out right. The other Big 12 game, you know, I don't think Texas has any trouble at all with Iowa State. Whether or not they cover that 16.5 point spread might be a little bit in question with just the backdoor touchdowns, but Iowa State, I don't think has scored a touchdown in something like seven straight quarters. I think you got to go all the way back to the first quarter against Kansas a couple weeks ago for their last offensive touchdown, so... I'm pretty confident that Texas can kind of run away and hide in that one. Interested in your thoughts on the shadow realm. I know we don't like to talk about that a ton, but <laughs> what do you think about Illinois? Are they legit? Do they deserve that number 24 ranking? Is this something that's going to be lasting throughout the season? They deserve it by default at this point in the season. I think that there's most certainly 24 better teams than them. Um, and probably a whole bunch more than that. I, I, I'm not sure I'm willing to go to 24 for the Illini, but, I mean, look, you prove it by winning games. Go ahead, go beat Minnesota, right? Go go put a win on them and, and prove that you deserve to be there. Look, I love what Bird's doing up there. He's doing a lot to kind of change the team around, change the culture, kind of change the narrative of how this team plays football. Love what they're doing. I think it's an awesome style for them especially given kind of, I think, what they can get in terms of talent and the portal and recruiting and everything else. I think this works for what they have. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's fun. I have no read on this game again because these games don't make sense in the Big Ten West. I've dubbed it the Shadow Realm because who knows? We might as well see a Minnesota 56-10, to 10, right? Because why not, right? Why not just watch Minnesota put up 56 on Illinois and make us all say, wait, why did I think Illinois was any good, right? Right. I don't know. I have no idea on this one. I I think I might be rooting for Illinois in this one because it'd be fun to watch them be good. But there's already enough parity with Kansas being good and everything else. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we get, it, it was 2007 all over again with Kansas. It could be 2006 all over again with the Juice uh, Juice Williams Illinois days. Yeah, yeah. So I, I want to lean Minnesota here. Obviously, I love the Gophers. I think they're going to get Mo Ibrahim back, who's such a big part of their offense. Mm-hmm. Chase Brown leads for Illinois. Chase Brown leads the entire nation in rushing yards with 879 already. He's just Huge. been kind of a one-man offense for the Illini. So I don't know. If Minnesota can't stop the run, it could be absolutely a problem. But I think I'm confidently picking uh, the Gophers in this one. Let's go to the 2.30, the afternoon slate. Some very interesting games. One, I'm definitely sad got moved to the second screen game because going into the season, I was super excited about Arkansas and BYU. Oh yeah. Arkansas one and a half point favorites um, on the road in Provo, 2.30 PM on ESPN. Garrett, have you heard anything about KJ Jefferson? I was looking for information a second ago, but I haven't seen anything on him. I would assume if he's been practicing, he can go. Cause I think their thing at Arkansas is if they don't practice, they can't play. So if you've seen any practice reports of him going, he's going to play. With that being said, neither of these teams have really lived up to their preseason expectations. Real bummer here. 
I actually kind of have a feeling BYU wins this one. I'm not saying that Arkansas is no good, but I think KJ coming back rusty or not playing combined with, man, Provo, that's that's a weird place to be and <laughs> just play football. Arkansas hasn't looked that good. They're kind of down. And I think they're just, they're in a weird spot where they need momentum. Playing BYU isn't the place where you're going to get momentum. Yeah, I, I definitely agree on that. BYU's fans are fired up for this one despite just no showing in Las Vegas last week. That right. game was there for them to take from Notre Dame, and they just decided that they weren't interested in taking it from the Irish. I guess, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it, it was just a weird situation, but it'll be an interesting game for sure. Definitely one I had circled. Now I'm not as excited to watch, especially with some other matchups. We've also got Wisconsin, seven and a half point favorites at Michigan State, kind of the down bad bowl. Um, in the Big Ten yeah. this week, it's 3 p.m. on Fox. I don't know why Fox picked uh, this game to highlight on national television, but I-, I think Wisconsin is more cohesive at this point. But goodness gracious, if you're Michigan State, you've got to be asking some serious questions if you not just lose, but if Wisconsin's able to cover the seven and a half point spread, you got to start asking some serious questions about what we're doing, losing to a team by multiple scores that doesn't even have a head coach. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And again, both of these teams having just miserable seasons compared to what they were hoping. I, I think maybe Fox picks this one up just because what it's name brand, right? We know Wisconsin, we know yeah. Michigan state. So I guess that might be what they're doing. <laughs> there might just also not be that many good games in the window. So, um, but no, I'm, I'm thinking this one probably goes Wisconsin's way, but I don't think it's by seven and a half. Come on. Right. There's no way that a team without a head coach reeling as bad as they are right now is going to beat just about anybody by seven and a half. Yeah, this is, I think this is Fox, uh, figuratively punting, um, <laughs> against uh, the <laughs> CBS matchup. They know everyone's going to be watching Tennessee. Alabama. Yeah. They just, we have to put something on in this yeah. window. They'll so. fight for next week. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So let's go to the last uh, kind of Power 5 game um, that I have on the docket, and I really have this one on here only to throw out this stat and kind of kick a team while it's down. Garrett, I would like you to guess how many days has it been since Stanford beat an FBS opponent? Oh, no, an FBS opponent. Well, I don't think it's happened this year. Did it happen last year? I'll go, like, I don't know, 300. You were close. It has been 375 days. Wow. Since uh, uh, Stanford last beat. That's too many days. Is too many days. That FBS opponent, it was Saturday, October 2nd, 2021, the year of our Lord, when they knocked off the Oregon Ducks at home 31-24 in just a stupid game. Yeah, (laughs) that was weird. (laughs) I literally threw this game in there just to mention that side. It's crazy how fast Stanford has fallen and just free fallen under David Shaw. Another name that I just don't know why there aren't more questions about his job. Right. I think Notre Dame handles this one pretty easily at home. It's a 17 point spread. If you hate yourself, you can catch that one on NBC or Peacock. Um, I will not be watching. Any other thoughts on that game? Not at all. Not even a little bit. I don't like watching either of these teams play football. I respect myself too much to watch these teams play when there are so many other good games this week. Yeah, even in a light night window, that don't do that to yourself. Um, no. 
Let's go to the G5 just really quickly. Um, again, we've got Louisiana and Marshall playing kind of a barn burner right now. I think there was a delay coming out of halftime, just some weird stuff going on in the fun belt. Louisiana, after not really being competitive, has a 16-7 to lead right now at the end of the third quarter. So maybe they're starting to turn their season around. Kind of a light slate on the G5 this week. I kind of highlighted two games. James Madison, 12-point favorites in their first game as a ranked team ever at Georgia Southern and Memphis and East Carolina, uh, five point favorites for the pirates. I just thought that game might be kind of fun. Yeah, no, this is just James Madison continuing their March for a claimed national title, because if they go undefeated, claim it, why not? Right. Yeah, absolutely. BUCF claim a title for no reason. I mean, and if they're not even going to give you a chance to play, um, yeah. like in a bowl game or a conference championship game, do whatever you want. Like yeah. let, let those kids have a memory that they can, chairs forever this is supposed to be fun this is supposed to be a sport after all so let the kids have fun well it's not even just the participation if they win all their games then they said we knocked down everyone we put in front of us let us go knock down someone else this is where they can say we want bama and not have to back it up because they're not allowed to play them in the postseason so just say we want bama let bama not schedule you and then claim your national championship perfect situation can't imagine anyone getting upset about that but we know <laughs> we know some people will so some people hate fun i'll buy the hat uh, yeah absolutely send me a t-shirt send us a t-shirt three pet three tech pod at gmail.com we'll send you our <laughs> uh, mailing address to three tech headquarters here so yeah not a lot of other action in the g5 i'm trying to con- decide if i'm going to go to the smu navy game on friday night i no, don't that's a weird know decision. If I do that to myself navy might run for another 500 yards on <laughs> on our ponies but <laughs> it could be who knows there's probably a million other things i could do with my friday night that i don't need to do that so we'll see what happens i'll keep everybody updated on my uh goings on with that but garrett this is going to be an absolutely exciting week we've got a ton of fun matchups i'm kind of glad our team is on a bye week because you can kind of just sit back take it all in do you have a strategy for watching games when AM is on a bye week uh, you plant yourself down, you, you know, get your good fortunes with the wife, you know, you maybe go to do like a breakfast brunch thing, you know, just before. So you maybe miss the last part of game day, you know, but that helps you get a little bit of goodwill so that when you need to sit yourself down and watch these games, she's already a little bit happy and she'll let you do what you need to do. So, you know, if you're facing that situation, your team's on a buy or you're just wanting to sit yourself down and watch these games, get a couple screens you know, make sure that someone's happy ahead of time and, you know, go pick a gourd. Select your gourd. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. You got to You got to get that in. You know, it, it's fall and you got to make sure that you take care of the fall activities. It's a great time to do it on your bye week. But then, oh, yeah, you know, stay connected, too, because there's a lot of other good games. Yeah, check some scores on your phone. Watch a game, you know, on your phone while you're walking around and looking at pumpkins and stuff. Absolutely. Hey. Come for the football takes, stay for the marriage advice. This is just an all-encompassing podcast here on The Three Technique. We thank you guys so much for listening. Again, um, shout us out on social media. Join the conversation. We're at 3 Tech Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure to follow us to stay up to date with everything that's going on. And if you like the show, make sure that you subscribe, um, hit the plus button, do whatever your podcast app of choice tells you to do, and please leave a review. It really helps us out to get out into the algorithms. And as I always love to say, tell a friend. We would love to invite more people into the space who love college football. If you know anyone that loves college football like we do, invite them in. We would love to keep growing this podcast. Um, But yeah, 
with all that being said, it's a great weekend on tap. Excited to take it in and process it all with you guys. For that man over there, Mr. Garrett Turney, and for Mitch, who is at an undisclosed location, taking care of things that he needs to take care of. I'm Trey Reeves. We're signing off. We'll see you guys next time.